I'm so glad you're with us here on the Clark Howard Show, where our mission is to serve you with knowledge that empowers you so you make better financial decisions in your life. And I'm really excited to talk about my first topic, the new crop of small businesses that came out of the extreme pain of the pandemic. And later, are you obsessed with fitness devices? I'll tell you why that could become a problem for you. A solution could actually become a problem. So the pandemic was so disruptive to culture, to society, and the disruptions continue post-pandemic. The stats on the office market around the United States and many other places in the world going to lead to a wave of foreclosures, a wave of corporate bankruptcies. There will be some number of bank failures where banks are overly exposed to local commercial lending. And then we lost a million and a half people approximately in the United States to the pandemic. I mean, there were a lot of terrible disruptions in families, health-wise, financially, And at the same time, out of bad things, good things happen. One of the best for future American economic growth is a lot of people reassess their lives. You know, I think one thing we learn, life can be short. And people that were just going through the motions in their job, in their career, whatever, a lot of people said, "Uh uh-uh. No, I'm going to have a reset in my life. And that's led to a massive wave of business startups. And this is outstanding news for the economy because economic growth comes from new, fast growing businesses. They're the disruptors, they're the ones that bring new competition, new ways of doing things. A lot of people who had worked for a big company for a long time are like, wow, we're really stupid here. Use the time of the reassessment during the pandemic to go out and say, you know, I've got a better way and go out and start a new business. This is great, great, great stuff for the individuals who have the guts to get out and do their own thing, but also for the country. Because when you have the guts to start your own business, a lot of times you're going to belly flop. You're not going to succeed. But you may well do very well. And you may serve a need in the marketplace that was not being met or serve the marketplace better than it was being done or come up with a new product or service that people didn't even know they'd want and create that vitality. You know, people around the world marvel at the economic vitality where we in America continually reinvent ourselves as a country, and it all starts with individuals who do their own thing. Now, a special warning, though, about this. At a time of thriving entrepreneurship, A lot of scammers materialize who bilk you out of money with really shady business opportunities or outright scams. 
be very, very wary of the dare to be rich business scams because they are extra prominent now and can steal so much money from you. In fact, one of the groups just got busted by the FTC that had stolen tens of millions of dollars from would-be entrepreneurs talking about how much money you were going to be able to make. And the only part of that prediction that was right was who was going to make all that money. It was the scamsters conning you. So be wary. And with franchises, the ground floor opportunity of this franchise, never, ever, ever trust the pitch from any franchise, even if it's well-known. Remember my rule with any franchise you're considering buying anonymously, go work at a location for six months. Now, you may bail way before six months because you'll be like, what in the world was I thinking? But see what it's like from the inside. Learn mistakes on somebody else's dime. And maybe it is a good idea for you to buy it, but you'll know later from the time you spent working anonymously doing whatever at a franchise location of that business, if it really is what they say it is, or you're walking into a trap. Krista? Okay, this is from John in Florida. He says, I'm 44 and my wife is 43. We own a small business and are considering early retirement. We have a net worth of $13 million consisting... Oh, my goodness. $13 million? $13 million. Congratulations to you. Consisting of $1 million in real estate, $2 million in taxable brokerage accounts, and $10 million in high-yield savings accounts and brokerage CDs that range in maturity from one to six years. At our age, are we nuts for having this much in conservative investments? I know we should probably have more in the market, but with the current interest rates, we are making $500,000 in interest from risk-free investments. Your thoughts? So first of all, at a net worth like you have and the income you must be generating from your business, the $500,000 you're earning is really being reduced by taxes to under $300,000 because you're having to pay ordinary income tax on the money you have in the savings accounts and CDs. The result is you're not keeping up with inflation with that. You have been enormously successful, not only with your own business, but in living on less than what you make. That's how you now have $13 million. You're in a position where if you want to just do this, that's fine, but you'd be better off even at low risk, doing other things. And I'd love for you, you say you have $2 million in brokerage accounts. What I don't know is, are you with a fee-only financial planner? Your situation calls for a fiduciary relationship with a fee-only financial planner who does a full plan for you, where you're planning to go in your life, how long you want to operate your business, what your exit strategy is down the road for your business, what are you doing to plan for your estate. The other stuff is more important than actually saying you should be in this fund or that fund or the other fund. But also because you're in a higher tax bracket, even for money that you're putting aside in conservative savings, there are strategies you can use that will allow you to avoid taxation that you have right now at the highest possible tax rates on the money you have, $10 million in savings and CDs, you are too conservative at 44 and 43 years old 
I've got info on Clark.com, how to hire, interview, and then hire a fee-only fiduciary financial planner. Please go read that briefing, interview people like you'd interview anybody for a job, and talk through strategies. And if all they're talking about is how they're going to take your money and make it grow the sky, wrong person. You want somebody who's asking you the right questions about your life goals and life plans. Diane in Florida says, how do you go about starting a business in a field you've been working in for over 20 years? Gosh, I love that you're going to go out on your own and something you have 20 years experience in. You already have a good network of contacts. I don't know in the business you're starting, if it's business to business or business to consumer, that makes a big difference in how you would market yourself. Because if it's business to business, you already have the contacts you need to be reaching out to to sell. But if you are going to go out on your own in a business you're so well-versed in and so experienced in, then the kind of things that you need help with are how you handle accounting, how you handle taxes, how you handle the basic blocking and tackling of running a business, if you're going to have employees hiring a payroll service, even if it's just you as a one-person entity, there are now payroll services like uh, Gusto, I think is one of them, that are designed for small businesses of one or more people and handle a lot of the filings for you. So if you already know the industry, then getting out on your own is just a matter of stepping out there and taking the risk and doing it. And letting others deal with, with all these services that are available, deal with the various administrative tasks that normally you would deal with. And you know what I forgot to mention with the prior question from the couple that's already been really successful? I didn't mention, it doesn't sound like you're doing anything in retirement-based accounts that would reduce your taxes. So that's one of the things that meeting with a fee-only fiduciary would be a big help to you. Sorry, I should have said that earlier. I forgot. William in Washington says, Hi, Clark. First, thank you for everything you do. I've learned so much from your show and I'm super grateful to you and your team. I always recommend the Consumer Action Center to my friends and family because they've been so helpful and have given me great advice on multiple money-related issues. Such an amazing service. I usually don't read these thank you, Clarks, but I thought that was a great shout out to our team Clark. Team Clark. I recently was laid off from my job and I've decided to go back to school to pursue a master's degree. I'm unsure of what to do with my Roth 457B. I was able to max out that account over the past three years, so I've thankfully built a great savings for retirement. I read your article online on 401ks, but was not sure if the info applies to Roth 457B accounts. The Roth 457B I have is with T. Rowe Price. There's a record-keeping and administrative fee, which is $16.50 per quarter, and the fees associated with my investment fund, 0.01% net expense ratio. One hundredth of 1%? Mm -hmm. I was wondering if you recommend keeping it in Roth 57B versus a Roth IRA. So administrative fees that sound very low and you're in an expense ratio that sounds impossible, one one hundredth of one percent. If it really is all that and that's all in, just leave it in the Roth 457B. For people who aren't familiar, 457s are for local certain government workers non-federal or eligible for 457 plans. 
the Roth version is a great way for you to save for the future for retirement because it grows and you spend from it tax-free. So good for you. And I hope that your new career path after you receive your master's works out absolutely great for you. Coming up ahead, patient, heal thyself. If you become obsessed with fitness trackers, is that good or bad? We're going to talk about that. All right. I admit it. I have a problem. That's the first thing to dealing with the problem is to acknowledge it, right? Well, it turns out that the problem I have is one that's not isolated. People, when they buy themselves a fitness tracker or they have an Apple Watch or Samsung Watch or something like that, that they get into this thing where if they sign up for the health stuff and the fitness stuff, you're just constantly like, oh no, I haven't met my goal today or whatever. And I have three trackers on right now. Those of you who watch our YouTube version of the podcast, you see it right here. I have here a Samsung watch that expects a minimum 11,000 steps a day, a minimum 500 calories a day burned by exercise, and 90 minutes of activity every day. And then I have my Garmin that requires I have so much physical activity every day and expects me to get so many active minutes in every week. It tells me every day what it expects me to do. Now, the problem with Garmin is that no matter what you do, the more you do, the more it expects you to do, and it never, ever stops. And then I wear my Aura health ring that tracks various health numbers for me, tracks my steps, everything else. And the three of them argue with each other because Garmin says more, more, more. Aura will always tell you take a day of rest every so often. And if you don't, it gives you a bad health score, what's called a readiness score. And so I am the most extreme with this of anybody I know. In fact, if you are eagle-eyed and watch on YouTube, you might have noticed Clark was missing one of these in recent episodes. And so can you explain what happened there? Yeah, I mentioned the other day that I'd recently been to Italy with my wife on an anniversary trip. My watch was stolen. My Samsung was stolen at security. And I thought, okay, I'll be all right, because the Garmin at least tells you time, gives you some alerts. (sighs) You couldn't take it. I am an addict. (laughs) I don't know if there's a 12-step program for device addicts. I had to go buy a new one of these at Costco, and it wasn't on sale. I was going to say, did you get a deal? So I have my receipt. It was a better deal from Costco than elsewhere. And I've got 30 days, Costco, please put Samsung watches on sale. Anyway, (laughs) to take it back and get a (laughs) refund for the difference, because it will go on sale sometime this fall, because they always go on sale for Christmas stuff. But anyway, I I really have this problem. So my family all makes fun of me, because do you know what I do at night 
if I'm short of steps, if I haven't met whatever goal. You pace around. I know. I do. I was short on Garmin. I was short on Samsung. I was fine on Aura. And I just walked around the house till I hit all my goals for the day. So this is a stupid obsession. Let's call it what it is. It's stupid. Eh, It can be healthy. I mean. No, but Insider wrote a column about this, about how there are people, Business Insider, how there, I think it's just they call this publication Insider, save several, about how people get to a point where they're on these massive guilt trips with themselves. Nobody else cares other than if it gets in your own head and you do it. The benefit, though, is I am never a couch potato. I'm very, very active. And hopefully it helps with my overall health. I have a, don't know. I have this Garmin Lily. And so it's fine. And I do like tracking my steps. I like to hit my steps goal every day. And I, that's great. But what is yours? 52,000 steps no, it's a day? 10,000. I just keep it 10, at 10,000. But it's sort of like uh, during the day, I'll be working at my desk and it'll send me a message and it just says move with an exclamation point. And I think it's so rude. Like, oh, yeah. I they're they're really like, mean. I can't. Like, they're I'm, really mean. Yeah. You know, uh, they'll tell you, uh, get up, go do something, whatever. Yeah. I'm like, my Garmin says something else that's. Uh, mine just says move. And I forget what mine says. <laughs> it's so, yeah. You know, we, if you are extremely inactive having one of these nagging devices is good but do you remember there was the phase like 10 years ago where health insurers convinced employers that they would lower their health costs if they had all their employees wear fitbits and Mm -hmm. they had the contests and all that and where did all those fitbits end up in drawers it has to be something you choose to do for yourself and just know it can become an unhealthy obsession, but I do feel that it's improved my overall fitness and well-being. And just so you know, in your Garmin Connect app, you can change it so it doesn't keep upping your goals. That's up to I you. I didn't know that. Mm-hmm. You can. Okay, we'll go to some questions now. <laughs> Maureen in Illinois says, I cut cable and switched to YouTube TV. One of my TVs is a five-year-old Vizio smart TV. I decided to use that TV as an antenna-based option. I historically used it to watch Netflix and Amazon, which are built into my remote. I started receiving messages on the Vizio TV that initially said, activity data, terms and conditions, you have purchased a smart TV, which is an internet connection display unit. To deliver the service, the device automatically sends back clicks and impressions as you navigate and interact with the SmartCast platform and apps. Then it tells me that I can decline or accept these terms. I decline them, and then the screen and then the TV locked. goes dead, right? Yep, the screen locked, and the TV doesn't work. After investigating this via the internet, we reset the TV, and I had to accept a very basic TV without SmartCast and Netflix. Now I'm getting a new message, terms and conditions, telling me I need to accept Google and Vizio's terms. My TV locks if I don't accept. Is this legal? <sighs> Till the Congress does something about it. A prior law that Congress passed had the unintended consequences of the TV manufacturers all pushing their version of their own operating system for smart TVs. If you go into a big box retailer and you look at the boxes of the TVs, not the TVs themselves, they are all talking about, you know, it's got their smart whatever built in. And when you accept the terms and conditions, 
they're then spying on every single thing you do and marketing that data. This is a massive invasion of privacy. See, I use that word massive again, sorry. And that's the word people say I use too much. Right? Uh-huh. Anyway, it is a massive invasion of your privacy. And so using their built-in smart TV apps means they're going to market and traffic in your data, what you watch, what you do, and all the rest. And if you don't accept, then the TV becomes basically a brick, has no value to you. You can do third party where you use a Roku device, but know that Roku, and those are very cheap plugins into a TV, Roku's doing its own collection of data on you. This is a privacy area we as a country have ignored, and who knows what ends up happening with all the data that they collect of what we watch. Mike and, and Maine. Antenna works. Mm-hmm. Simple Antenna brings you a lot of channels, and then nobody is able to track what you're watching. Well, that's what Maureen wants to do with this TV. Yeah. Okay, Mike in Maine says, I'm so happy that Costco is finally going to be opening a store here in Maine. I was a member when I lived in New York in the metropolitan area, but I since have moved here. The question is, you have posted deals from membership with Costco. Should I use those or will Costco be offering special deals when it opens its first store ever in the state of Maine? So sometimes when Costco goes into a new market, they do offer special deals on an initial membership. And it's impossible to know what they'll do when they do open the store for Mainers. But we do have these deals from time to time that we post. They're not our deals. Right. But we post these deals we do for uh, Sam's and also for Costco. It's on ClarkDeals.com. And so if there is a a membership special, uh, you could wait to see what they offer at the store. But I would just grab what you know is there, which is usually going to be something where you pay the $60 membership, but they give you a series of benefits, including a shop card that net out a meaningfully lower price that first year. And Costco just announced last week to Wall Street analysts that they are not raising membership fees. So I was wrong because mm. I predicted months ago that this fall Costco was going to raise the cost of the traditional membership and the executive membership. And for now, they're not because uh, they want to keep up their renewal rate. What percent of Costco members renew in a typical year? I would guess 80. 93%. Wow, that's crazy. It is like the highest membership renewal pretty much on planet Earth that Costco has from its members. Michelle in Florida says, I'm looking for homeowner's insurance for close to the same coverage. I have a quote from one company for $2,200 and my current company for $3,200. What is the downside to using the cheaper company? All right, Floridian. Right. All right. So Citizens is who you're getting the cheaper quote from. Citizens coverage is usually pretty anemic. And so I'd look at the overall coverage benefits and levels that you have from your existing insurer. And in theory, you're not supposed to be able to go into Citizens unless no one else will write you. And in this case, Citizens is undercutting exactly what the, what the government of the state of Florida doesn't want happening. 
undercutting an existing free market insurer by $1,000 a year. So I had to look closely at the coverages. If the coverages are equivalent, since Florida seems to be clueless, I would go ahead and buy the policy from citizens. And there's a lot to talk about. We were talking the other day in our show planning meeting. There's a lot to discuss about what's going on with the homeowner's insurance market across the country. The Florida plague is now spreading to different states where insurers are saying, nope, we're not going to write you anymore. We're even pulling out completely out of states or regions of states. And there are marketplace solutions that we really need to be looking at in the country. And of all places, California is implementing reforms that should bring more insurers back into their market. And how are they doing it? Bringing the free market into play. But that's a conversation for another day. And I want to tell you, that does it for us today on this podcast. I hope you've heard something today that you can use and remember what we're about, that you learn ways to save more, spend less, and don't let anyone ever rip you off.